All right. Hi, everybody. I'm John. And I'm Ann. And this is John and Ann's Wrestling Podcast. Okay. That was our theme song. And now we're going to talk about wrestling. All right. Well, first of all, I haven't looked at our sheet even. That's fine. I filled it out. I have some, you know, there's a lot to talk about. We took a few weeks off. We missed a lot. A lot I of had COVID happened. and a work trip. And I had all Not of at the same stuff time. to do. Not at the same time. You Not at the same time. And then a work trip. Yeah. It, it came in a cast. It was like a cascading series of unfortunate events. So yeah. we did not get to do the podcast I didn't for a get little COVID. bit. You didn't get COVID. I waited a few days after you, uh, you know, were diagnosed and I uh, tested. It's your, not... it's because you're in like perfect health always. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, so anyway, uh, what is the first topic we should talk about? Because otherwise, I'll just jump into to GCW. Because, well, I guess the thing we should cover first, which yeah, I know you're raring to cover, but I feel like it, it warrants being covered, even though it's been covered by a lot of people already, uh, is that CM Punk has returned to WWE. It has happened. You should scoot closer to me so people can see that we are in a relationship. Yeah. There and, we go. And so Kathy feels more part of Loved. it. Loved. Matt Hardy will go right behind Kathy. Okay, Cat, great. Cat Hardy. Uh... So CM Punk is back in WWE. It's happened. We weren't he sure is. if it was going to happen. A lot of I didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, I thought it was. I mean, if it could happen, you know what it is? It's basically I feel like they got a sale. They got CM Punk on sale. They were like, well, we can get like if we just, you know, for a Costco and we spend a you know, hundred bucks, we can get a free CM Punk. Yeah. And if we just if we throw him away, it was free anyway. You know, so if it doesn't work out, we you know because he can't really bargain or you know push a deal because AEW fired him. Yeah. So I don't know. He doesn't really have it. Like he could he could go to any other promotion, but how much do you nobody think nobody else could really pay? Him I, I had a thought this morning that occurred to me. Yeah. And do you think that it could be possible for CM Punk throwing his fit on AEW and like being like, I quit. This sucks to Tony Khan backstage it all in. Do you think that that could have been him wanting to get away from AEW to come back to WWE. I say this only because of the Seth Rollins thing that has been going on since last summer. Like Seth Rollins has been making a point to talk about CM Punk since last summer. And part of me feels like that's not an accident. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that the original all out thing, the first fight with the elite. No, I don't think that was that. I don't Could think that was that either. The second run, possibly, but I also genuinely believe that CM Punk is a guy who has trouble controlling his emotions. Yeah. So I don't know that it may be. I could see it being less of a conspiracy and like a, you know, strings being pulled, and more like him being like over it and being like, you know what screw this, I don't want to do this anymore, and just knowing in the back of his mind that he can go back to WWE. But it is a bad... Unless he like already had secretly set up a contract offer, it would have been very this is detrimental saying, to though. him to blow up his relationship with the only other company that could offer him similar money. Right. Therefore, lowering what WWE would even be paying him. But this is what I'm saying, though, is like, what if last summer... 
he and Seth Rollins back channeled this feud idea. Right. It still seems like a because why did Seth Rollins? Why would Seth Rollins bring him up? You know, like when, but when he was, I think. Yeah, but he got asked about him on an interview on a WWE podcast. Well, I saw it was like he was at some event. Uh, yeah, I saw he was wearing like the cowboy hat and stuff, and he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." yeah. It was a thing like that, and somebody asked him about. Now, I mean, you could probably argue that WWE screens every question that their superstars uh, or that their superstars know that like how to answer certain things. I also just I have to believe they're media trained. Sure, I also just don't believe that WWE had that much foresight. I don't think that they. I've been watching them long enough that I don't trust that they were like. We're going to plant these seeds a year ahead of time because they don't even know what the hell is going to happen on Raw half the time. Yeah. Well, I just think like. I mean, it's better now with Triple H for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like, it wouldn't surprise me to learn that like CM Punk wanted out of his AEW contract so that he could go to WWE because he had either someone had signaled to him that there would be a place for him there or that like they would be willing to rehire him. And then he was like, oh, well, you know, I'd rather be back there where it's more controlled and there's less people going off script and like all these things that he cannot handle. It's funny, though, because that's what he wanted. He wanted less. Control sure. I think he wants script. He wants that for himself. I think he wants that for himself. And I also think he wants to be seen as a person who wants that. Yeah. But I think in reality, he clearly does not like that because he's mad every time somebody goes off script. Yeah, and, it didn't seem to work out for him in AEW. Uh, yeah. I still think that at most, at most he was emotionally done with it and mm-hmm. was making like, you know how you're just like, you want to quit a job or something and you're just like, ah, screw this. And you're like, yeah, called quiet quitting. Yeah. You're like acting out more. I guess that's, it's well, I guess it's loud quitting. Well, yeah, um, with him, it's loud. quitting. Yeah, yeah. But it's just like where he was like kind of emotionally done with it more so than there was like a plan yeah. in place. Uh, you know, and I don't think WWE would even be playing it as safe as they are so far. If there was like a plan that, like if they were willing to risk, because it would have been like I'm pretty sure illegal to be negotiating stuff, or at least well, they, they could have been sued. I don't think they like negotiated a whole contract with them. I think it was probably a thing where like Rollins is signaling to him, like, "Oh, I would have a feud with you," like, you know, whatever. Yes. And you know, maybe he had a conversation with somebody from WWE who wasn't Triple H, but was like close to them. Dusty Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, you know, somebody who's like Dusty Rhodes in is there. Dead. If he was communicating oh, right. with Dusty Rhodes, that would be. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But I'm just like Cody Rhodes or whatever. Um, it, like, is the... <laughs> I can't believe you made me feel like I was talking about a ghost. I was just trying to make a little <laughs> joke for the viewers. It's for the well, viewers. Hilarious. Everybody. Audience. If I look at camera two over here during the podcast on the YouTube, yeah. on the YouTube you know, then you know why it's there's a camera too. for the YouTube viewers. We have TikTok live going. It's right there. I don't think anybody's looking at us, but it's there as an option. If you're watching this on YouTube and you want to catch us on TikTok live, you're too late. Yeah, because this isn't live. Um, but no, I'm week. just saying like, you know, maybe he was like, it just seems like it all worked out in his favor in a weird way, in a sure. way that's like, oh, that's convenient. Like he just went back to WWE and started this feud they've been talking about having for over a year. Like, oh, okay, that's convenient that he got to, you know, after Brawl Out, like, come back and still work for, to probably get a lot of the money out of his contract before getting terminated, like he probably should have been last year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it just conveniently worked out in a way that 
sends my sensors into your sensors are chirping. My sensors are chirping. I don't know. I don't know. I still think it just was a thing that fell apart. People got emotional. Uh, and maybe there was like, you know, people were willing to do it. Maybe he was hoping that he would be able to do this, but I don't think there was any guarantee yeah. when he left that this is going to happen. Um, it's also, it's just uncommon for like, uh, you know, wrestling news to not leak like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rollins, I think Rollins just answered a question and then kind of felt bad about it and then talked about it one more time on a podcast where he tried to like backtrack a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and then now is doing this thing. Obviously, this is a work because there's no way Seth Rollins, who's like yeah. Mr. Company Man, is going to like lose his shit completely on no. a pay-per-view and start cursing this guy out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. even if you, even if he didn't know that that was going to happen, which I'm sure he did, but even if he didn't, I, I could not imagine him just like losing his marbles so much that he starts cursing this guy out on a very, like, a, you know, you're not really supposed to say the F word in WWE, you know? Um, and I just don't see it happening. Yeah, there. but now we've got the CM Punk fans to appeal to, so they're probably going to get a little bit like pretend, well, or they're going to nod towards spiciness without getting That's actually true. spicy. I was afraid that when he came, that they were going to try to like make AEW look terrible, or be like make fun of their, uh, you know, um, like their drama and stuff. And they are sort of like doing a little bit of that, which is probably smart to acknowledge it. Uh, but for the most part, they're playing it very safe so far. I mean, yeah. CM Punk came back and did that little like. I'm home. I missed the fans promo, which felt very uh, inauthentic, which he sort of pointed out. But I also was like, it felt inauthentic in a way that, so I don't, I've never seen WWE present a disingenuous character without telling you that they're disingenuous. Like I've never seen somebody like lying through their teeth or like missing the point or something without the commentators being like, Oh, come on. Really? You know, and I guess maybe Seth Rollins is that character because he keeps calling him a hypocrite. So maybe they're just really trying to do something more subtle here than they've ever really done. But I don't think I think they're just trying to. They're probably at most, I think, just going to have a thing where CM Punk is like, I'm genuinely back for the fans. I love the fans and I'm home and I'm back now and I paved the way for you. And Seth Rollins is going to be like, I disagree. I don't think you stood up for WWE. And I, you know, I love this place and all this stuff. And then they'll just have opposing viewpoints. Yeah, that sounds like uh, what it's going to be. So congrats, everybody. It. You did it. CM Punk is home. He's home. This is where he wanted to be. Even though two years ago, he said he it made him so sick that he had to quit wrestling. I mean, it is. There. It is like, you know, it. this gets into... Sorry to get philosophical for a second, but it kind of gets into like people being comfortable in their own patterns where it's like sometimes you can be in a situation that maybe it's not good for you, right? Like maybe mm -hmm. it's not what you think you want or maybe it's not. Maybe it's like a, a situation in which you're unhappy, but that unhappiness ultimately is familiar and is therefore comforting, right? Like, this is why people stay in, like, shitty jobs they don't like. Mm -hmm. Because, like, it's the devil you know, right? Like, it's, the, it's like, I know what I don't like about this situation, and I'm unhappy, but this gives me a routine. It gives me a pattern to follow of, like, being upset about this thing. 
right? And that can be a very comforting and powerful thing for people. Like people do gravitate towards those situations because of, you know, how easy it ultimately is to all, to do the thing that you know. Yeah. Right. And um, it can be hard. I think as we saw in AEW with CM Punk, um, it can be really hard to be thrust into a role you're not used to, which is what mm-hmm. he was in, in AEW. Like he was the guy, as you've said many times on this podcast, he was the guy who was actually yeah. supposed to be the locker room he was leader, supposed to be the John Cena was supposed to be the star. And he's never really been in that yeah, role he's before. He said that he wanted to. Yeah, but it's was, like. He never was. Not for like, a company that big. It feels like a be careful what you wish for story. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, yeah, it's like, do you actually want to be the guy? Or do you want to be the guy who's always pissed he's not the guy? Because it feels like Punk is far more comfortable in that role. That's what I was. That's why I wanted him to turn heel in AEW. Because I was like, you're not the like underdog voice of the voiceless anymore. You right. are clearly the most it's like even when wwe when they always would try to have john cena be some sort of underdog or like not the chosen one of the mcmahons or whatever which they did a few times i'm like we can all tell this is untrue yeah and inauthentic but they didn't care they would just barrel through it but in aew i was like he can't just be this he has to be at some point under like his character has to acknowledge that he's not that anymore but he didn't and and what i'm totally for him like clear, clearly AEW was an unhealthy environment for him, mm-hmm. whether it was like his fault or not. Yeah. I think it was the right move for him to no longer be in that environment. Yeah. I, you know, I do see most people don't seem to have any issues there, but it's, it is what it is. You know, if it's an, un- if it's an unhealthy environment for you, it's an unhealthy environment for you. Right. WWE is probably a healthy environment or, for him because he's familiar with it. Like you said, and he can be an underdog and he can be, I think it's actually, it was a good move for Cody Rhodes because Cody Rhodes and AEW, even though he booked himself to never win the world title, yeah. was like still kind of in charge. And I think that hurt him as a babyface there. Uh, and in, you know, in AEW, he, he, I, he didn't, I loved him in AEW for most of his run, but he stands out more in WWE. Like he's more unique in WWE and he doesn't have control over his character. So you worry about him more. So mm. it's easier to like root for Cody Rhodes in WWE. And I think that's probably going to be the same thing for CM Punk. I wish. Yeah. AEW had not blown up the way that it had. I wish that he had not had that. Like, I wish that he could have just, you know, if he had just gone to AEW, had his run there, like, had fun or whatever, did three years there, and then left and went back to WWE, it would be funny that he went back to WWE, but I was like, maybe he, like, rekindled his love of it and he's in a better place now and he can do it. But the way that he went back there, it just feels very awkward. And it's really hard for me to get excited about it because I'm like, are you okay? Is this going to be like, I'm, I have no doubt that he'll behave in WWE because he has to. There's no, they will just fire him. And he knows that. So, I mean, yeah. maybe he could blow up again, but. It's hard to be a punk when you don't have a machine to rage against. Yeah. Like, that's sure. really what it is. It's like, if you're a punk and you don't have a system that you're being a punk towards like punk is very much a reactionary state of mind. Like it's a reaction to a very buttoned up, like rules oriented corporate environment. Right. So it's like, if you don't retire out of it. Yeah. So it's like, if you don't have that to rail against, or you don't want to rail against whatever the system is that you're operating in, then it's like, what are you doing, man? Like you're just being a jerk. You you end up having to just be a jerk because you're having to be, have that spiky attitude towards things. But if you don't have like the soulless 
WWE overarching corporation to yep. roll your eyes at. Then you're just rolling your eyes at Tony Khan, who's standing there going, what do you want me to do? I'll do what you want me to do. Yeah, you have too much power. <laughs> and, and then you're was- just a, a, a crazy guy. And I mean, also in CM Punk's defense a little bit, I'm sure that's what he was having to do for a lot of his career felt that he had to do was get like crazy about stuff. And then in AEW, he had everything that he could have possibly ever wanted, but he was still like super reactionary and angry. Uh, and that's just how he knew to react to things. And it just is not, wasn't working. Wasn't was working. not working. But, uh, you know, we wish him. He work in AEW, though. I enjoyed all the stuff that he did, but. Yeah, we wish him well. We wish him well. I want him to Chick do well. Chick Magnet Punk, we wish you well. Cookie Monster Punk, we wish you well. Um, Charles Montgomery Punk, that's another one. Uh, I did see uh, people making fun of him for selling out, though. You know, the old the old Reddit. It's fun. Uh, yeah, well, I don't think the Reddit, I don't think the Squared Circle subreddit likes him very much anymore. No. Uh, no. But, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, he's He's doing well now. I mean, I... You know, I tried to, I, I didn't watch it. I watched Collision. Even though I'm sitting here in a Bloodline t-shirt, I watched Collision, not this. Yeah, I was going to say, we we spend a lot of time making fun of WWE as, while you sit here in your Bloodline shirt. But you know, I watch so. it, you know, because that's another thing I want to talk about was like stories in wrestling and people really get on this thing, especially when they're like in the WWE versus AEW mindset and people are like, oh, stories, we want stories. And I'm like, what is a story in wrestling? Because I feel like when we're doing this WWE versus AEW thing, especially it's like a story oftentimes in the mindset of someone defending WWE or touting WWE's, you know, uh, value or whatever. A story is like segments, interviews, promos, uh, you know, uh, rival, like um, you turned your back on me, that kind of thing. And then the match is just like the payoff for that almost as though the match is like not part of the story you know what i mean and like people don't care about the match at all and i understand that a good story can enhance a match and you can do less in a match like you could do five things in a match if people are really really invested in it and the story but i do want to point out that there are multiple ways to tell wrestling stories and oftentimes, in a lot of other companies, such as in New Japan, or often in AEW, and AEW does have WWE-style stories. They have several of them all the time. I think it's just like a misconception that people have about it when they're trying to defend WWE to act like AEW doesn't have any stories at all. They do. They, they, do, do, they do them often in the same way that WWE does. But you can tell stories through matches, and each match usually has its own story. Uh, even if it is like a more like flippy, indie-style, less-selling... Uh, type of match there's usually a story being told oftentimes through selling of an injury or something like that that's how new japan tell, primarily tells their stories and they have some of the like most complex stories uh in wrestling and a very devoted fan base that gets all of those story beats and are very heavily invested in that product so i don't know if american audiences are as good about being like keyed into those things so if, for example AEW's doing the continental classic right now some people would say, oh, there's no story. It's just matches. And it's like, the story is the matches. The matches tell the story. There's the story of like what, who has points and when. You know, Eddie Kingston's going to have to make a comeback. Brody King's story is that he's proving that he's more than just a, a tag team wrestler. Um, and then each you know match itself has a story. Somebody selling their shoulder. Somebody trying to like prove that they can beat somebody that has been you know more powerful than them. 
uh, Daniel Garcia using his finisher that he be, used to beat Brian Danielson once and like relying on it and attending to cause his defeat multiple times. Like these are all stories. And the matches themselves are not an afterthought to story. Like, yes, Bloodline was very good. The Sami Zayn segment was excellent, right? The Royal Rumble thing. But that's not like the only way to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, I that makes sense. I think I think what you're getting at also in in some ways is my favorite theory of wrestling, which is that wrestling is where jock and nerd culture meet. Mm. And nerd culture is very theater oriented. Nerd culture wants those like goofy stories and the really like the promo centric stories, the stories that get told outside the ring and then come to the ring, culminate in the ring. Very Real Housewives style storytelling, like building to a match with different verbal conflicts. Um, and then jock culture, I feel like wants the tournament style storytelling, like give us points, give us like, you know, in the in the ring storytelling kind of stuff, stuff that's more like jock sports centric um, type of storytelling. But I, yeah. Well, I would consider myself uh, more of a, like a nerd representative. And I do yeah. enjoy the, uh, the more like sports oriented stuff. And maybe that's because I watched a lot of like WWE growing up. So I watched a lot of, yeah. you know, story. Also, story stuff, I mean, like... you don't watch sports. Yeah. So... so like you don't have like you I don't have an outlet for that. Right. Exactly. So it's like you probably do have a jock side to you, but you don't ever consume any jock culture. Yeah. So it's like for you, that is your jock culture, because that's how far down the nerd spectrum you are. That's true. But it also <laughs> is like the, dr- the drama is in the matches themselves, because like, for example, I have tried to watch MMA. I've tried to watch boxing and I am not interested in either of those things because they don't have the dramatic like story beats that a wrestling right. match has mm-hmm. that you can craft. So even within the confines of the match itself, there is drama and story. Yeah. Um, and so that is also like. I feel like my love of it is a fusion of those two things. When I was younger, I didn't really care as much about the matches. I would just be like, who wins and what is Steve Austin going to do this week or whatever. And then as I got older and watched more wrestling, I got really into it. Now that's why like a new Japan is one of my favorite products right now, which is very niche, you know, um, outside of Japan. But it's like, uh, it's kind of the perfect fusion of everything. Um, their schedule can be amended. Uh, trying to follow their tournaments can be very, it's a great journey. But it's so rapid fire. Yeah. Um, I can also- I get, well, can I, before we move on to another topic though, can I say with the, in regards to the storytelling versus sports thing that we're talking about, I want to talk about GCW briefly Okay. because we went to GCW last night. I don't really have another topic anyway. There was just one other like tiny thing. So are you know. saying that because you want me to stop so you can say, your no, tiny I was thing? saying we can just talk about this. Oh, okay. Um, I just wanted to talk about GCW because I think last night was the moment I realized I really do just love GCW, I think, more than any other wrestling promotion. promotion. <laughs> and and it's because it feels like like it's very sporty. Like, you know, you're wa- like, I don't keep up with a lot of stuff outside of watching the actual matches. Right. Because they don't have like endless like they'll have promos and stuff, but it's not a, it's not a TV show. You know, it's mm-hmm. not a weekly TV show. So you kind of know as much about GCW as you know when you sit your butt in the seat at the show and start watching it. 
But with GCW, I am never bored. Like, I've never gone to a GCW show and been, like, checking my watch, like, oh, my God, when's this going to end? Or, like, you know, uh, how many more matches should we stay for? GCW always delivers enough story to keep me invested. They use a rotating cast of, like, recurring performers. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a, a theater company that I'm very familiar with at this point. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I know all the like last night we were at this show, a GCW show down in Brooklyn. What is your choice? What is your choice? And it's available on Fight Plus if anybody has Fight Plus and wants to watch mm-hmm. it. Great show. And it was a great show. And I remember the whole show, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I wish Sawyer Wreck was in a match. <laughs> And then at the very end of the show, she shows up. I won't say what she does in case it spoils it for somebody, but like she shows up in the very last match very briefly. And I was like so happy (laughs) because I was like, Sawyer Wreck is here. Um, And And they don't rely like too much on guest stars. I mean, they do have like guest stars, but like even their guest stars are there so regularly. Right, exactly. They're also characters. Like, what? (laughs) Kathy woke up and knocked Matt Hardy down behind the couch Kathy, with her little nose. Why did you do that to Matt Hardy? Because you put him next to the wall put, and I was sleeping. We put Matt Hardy next to where Kathy was sleeping and she woke up and pushed him away and now he's behind the couch. Never to be seen again. I was going to make her into a character on this podcast called Cat Hardy and now I guess she doesn't want that. But anyway, what I was saying was um, I just, I, I love it. I, I think it's a perfect example of what wrestling can and should be. Um, You know, it's just, and part of it is that you're always in like the fifth row. Like you're never, you're never in the 300 section at a GCW show because they only play like smaller venues. And that is such a boon because it's like, that is to me the way you should probably experience professional wrestling. Yeah. And they can get, what is it? Tony Depp and, uh, Oh, Tony. Depp. That was such a good match. Rina last night. Yamashita. Yeah. That was a great match. Rina, Rina Yamashita. I love her. She's so great. And Tony Deppin was really great in that match. And he was, because it's a smaller venue, he was like, people was at one point, somebody was like, you're a sick fuck, Tony. And he was just like, thanks. Yeah. No, uh, and, and, it, and he was like talking back to yeah. people. It was just so great. Like, like the performers talk back to the audience and, and, to to that point like every time i go to a gcw show i feel like the audience is very much part of the show in the best way possible like you kind of need to stay invested and plugged in because like your reactions really drive the whole vibe and everybody knows that and Mm -hmm. is on board with it and actually like for as many gcw shows as we've been to i really have not been ever like like there's every once in a while there'll be a stupid chant or something dumb somebody yells that makes me like go, oh, that's not cool. But I think there's something even kind of beautiful in that because we all live in this world that is such a bubble, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're all in our own little curated bubbles where we never have to deal with people that we don't really like unless we work in, you know, customer service. But like... Oh, I thought you were talking about me. Yeah, yeah. Don't tell anybody what I do. No, 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 no. But I mean, like, you know, like you you have a more a job where you deal with people more than I do. But like... I um I just think like I feel like you probably have a job where you deal with people more directly than I do. Yeah, but I deal with certain kinds of people. Okay, I don't. Curtain too, too I don't here. have to deal with like the gen pop. You know what I mean? Wow, yeah, that's true. Like you've had those jobs where you've had yeah. to deal with the general population. Try and to be an like, artist. That's what. Uh, <laughs> like uh, you do. Service job. You possible, you've yeah. done a number of customer facing jobs yes. in your life that I don't think I could handle. Um, but I think ultimately it's very cool 
to be kind of in this like very quickly formed community mm-hmm. where there's all kinds of people. There's people that you're going to hate. There's people that you're going to think are great. There's people that are like clearly like there's something going on there where you're like, uh oh, uh, you know, it's like every type of person is there and you just kind of have to learn to roll with what happens and yeah. try to keep your vibes up, even though somebody might be yelling something that you think is a little too mean or like stupid or they're acting awkward. And it's like, I mean, yeah, but that's real life. You know, that's just people, right? You know, it's a it's a melting pot, a wrestling show. I mean, at most, like at worst at a GCW show, somebody's a hack. You know what I mean? Like right. kind of hacky going into business for themselves, trying to like take focus with a not funny chant or something. Yeah. Like, Cause that's the it kind does of usually the worst. There is a vibe. And in that's great. If that's the worst. <laughs> yeah. The, the being in the audience of a GCW show is very much being, uh, at an improv jam. Yeah. Or an open, any other open mic. Yeah. Where it's like, there are guys here who are definitely trying to like be part of the show in too much of a way. Yeah. Um, and that's very awkward, but otherwise it's a really, it's a, but even when that happens, it's a fascinating experience yeah. because it's always going to be somebody who like, you're like, who is that guy? What is his life? Even if you hate him, you're like, who is this person? Like, like I I never, you know, I, I just, it's, it's interesting to me to be kind of shaken out of my day to day and be transported to this world where I have to interact with all these people I might not otherwise have had to interact yeah. with. Um, and that's just really cool to be part of that scene and yeah, I, I don't, that, that's all I wanted to say, I think, about <laughs> Oh, and Effie and Allie Catch were on the show last night, and I did yeah, not know surprised. they were going to be on the show, and I was really delighted by that. It's also fun when you're at a GCW show because it's small enough that when you're leaving, like, I had to be, like, kind of making my way past Effie to, like, get out, and you're, like, kind of with. I think Effie and Allie Catch were like like right behind us as we're like, you know, filing out because it's a very tight venue. So everybody's kind of just got to file out the same way. Yeah. And they were behind us, like telling everybody where their merch table was going to be. Um, and it was it was fun. It's a fun yeah. experience. Like you really I mean, it really was like very kind of like UCB. Yeah. Those of you that haven't been to the Upright Citizens Brigade doing shows at their old theater was very much like a communal experience. Like you were all kind of even the audience was like part of the show. That's exactly how it feels. It felt like you were screwing around with the audience in a way that when they moved to a much larger theater you lost and a lot of stuff did not work there anymore i do i do genuinely feel like gcw shows are as close to like 2010 ucb as i've ever felt and like it's that kind of a because again there's people there that you might hate who are being really annoying but then there are other people there who you might think are just brilliant uh, you know, like it's, it's all everybody from every walk of life and every spectrum is there. And you just have to like find where you fit into the yeah. ecosystem. Um, and yeah, it's so great. And there were so many great matches. The other thing I want to shout out with GCW is I love that it is both a pretty hardcore promotion. Like they make mm-hmm. a point to be like, we're, we're throwing people through doors. We're, yeah. you know, hitting each other with chairs. They don't spill blood. Cause that's not legal in New York. Right. Uh, that's why they I don't do it here. Cause they blade. don't do those really, they don't do those really grotesque matches here. I'm not sure if you can blade. I think you can. Uh, but yeah, they usually don't, they can't do like light tubes and stuff. Maybe you can yeah. blade them. I'm, you might not be able to. Cause I've seen the, the videos of like the much more hardcore oh, yeah, stuff. Like the Matt Cardona versus Nick Gage. That was in Jersey. Yeah. 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 And they'll let you do anything in New Jersey. <laughs> 
you just slip the governor at 10 bucks and you yeah yeah but I, I i love that it has that spirit but also it does a lot of intergender wrestling yeah there's there's a woman in almost every match mm-hmm. and it's kind of brilliant because it holds my attention that way so yeah. so much because i can see myself in every single match if i want to i can be like yeah get him you know and it's like it 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 i don't know it feels very progressive in that way and not in like a lame like uh, you know corporate diversity way it feels like gcw is not corporate it (laughs) does it just it feels real like it feels natural because it's like yeah these are the people who are in the company and it's not about who's a girl and who's a boy it's about who's got a story to tell with who, which, which exactly. performer, like who's going to put on the best wrestling match and together. And TNA, they, you know, one company, but they're going to become TNA. And they do that sometimes as well. Not quite to the level that GCW does it, but yeah. Cause like whenever people say like, Oh, intergender wrestling doesn't make sense. I'm like, what doesn't make sense about it? I don't understand. And, and the thing that's so amazing about it as an art piece that really challenges me is that those women like Masha Slamovich, she gets, the snot kicked out of her. Like when you watch a Masha Slamovich match against a guy, she suffers. And in some ways it's like the passion of the Christ. It's like, it's like you're watching somebody take just the worst abuse possible in the name of like, you know, giving you a realistic show that you're very emotionally invested in. Yeah. Um, And they work a very like story structured match. It's like, uh, that was like a very kind of standard underdog baby face thing. Yeah. She's also beating the shit out of him too. Oh yeah. Like like she was lariating him. Like, you know, it was very much just like a slightly smaller wrestler wrestling mm-hmm. a slightly bigger wrestler. Like there was really no, and they at no point did it seem unbelievable. Yeah. Whatever, I just love that they're not afraid to go there with yeah. it. Like they're, they're like, yeah, if and this the- was a real fight, like she would probably be getting this not kicked out of her for a while. Yeah. And they're, they're okay with doing that. Candice LeRae <laughs> used to do that a lot in, uh, in PWG, you mm-hmm. know, and people would, be, the heels would be like very not nice to her. Yeah. Uh, and she would just like, you know, uh, have these crazy matches with like against like Kevin Steen and Adam Cole. Yeah. Um, and the Young Bucks. And the Rushmore, that was their group. And the Rina uh, Yamashita and Tony Deppen match yep. was similarly great like that, in mm-hmm. that, you know, Rina really performed that pain, uh, which there was part of me, I started to get, again, really philosophical. I was watching it last night and I was watching these women, you know, really get like just writhe in pain. And I was like, I wonder if it's almost easier to sell pain as a woman because there's always a little bit of low grade, low grade pain that you're in as a woman. And I'm like, I wonder if this is actually when they've stopped pretending. Like, wow. like I wonder if this is them just leaning so into like, yeah, like they turn off the stone face and they're just like, ow. <laughs> like, um. Anyway, and then yeah, and also another thing to point out, crowd is totally into it. At no point is there anybody like not invested. Oh, and everybody loves Rina Yamashita and, and Masha uh, Slamovich. And Maki Ito, by the way. Which oh, was Maki Ito. Speedball Mike A Bailey total rock star. Maki Ito, two indie wrestling uh, icons. And they had a great, a great match about which one was cute. Which one was cuter than the oh, other? God. Which was a great, you know, it was a great, also made it a little bit different from the rest of the night. Yeah. You know? And they did, uh, well, it was funny too, because I remember thinking before that match that Speedball had you saw him on Friday at House, House of Glory. House of Glory, which we'll talk about in a second. They had a, GCW had a show in Hartford Saturday night, and I think he was on that too. Probably. 
And uh, and so when he when they came out for this match, I was like, God, this must be so brutal to do three matches in, you know, two days, essentially. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they did like that pose off yeah. and they did like all they these things. It a little bit easier in this match. Yes, but it was no less entertaining. No, it wasn't. Like they, they managed to work around. Like, I have to assume it was conscious for them to be like, Oh my God, we're so tired and sore. Yeah. Let's let's take it a little easy. Makiito doesn't <laughs> generally work like an overly physical style. Yeah, doesn't like diminish what she does, but she does do like more crowd yeah. work spots and stuff. You know what I mean? So, right. so it makes sense to work. And Speedball can do anything. I mean, he can do any sort of match. He can do the super hyper athletic Will Osprey match, and he can do you know he could he wrestles and those Yoshihito. high kicks, those high kicks. I know. Him and him and Masha Slamovich, uh, great high kicks, match, great they, great high kicks. Yeah, I actually don't know if I've seen Masha versus Speedball. Now we got to look that up because I would love to see that. I, I it must have happened. Speedball is like everywhere, almost to his oh, not to his detriment, but like he because he could be like the a big like the top of some promotion, but he's like almost too too many places. But I think it's probably better for him because then I he mean, can just do he yeah. can just get paid. I mean, he was on House of Glory. He's in TNA. He is in uh, uh, GCW as a regular. He's in every promote, like really every promotion he's everywhere. He's in New Japan. Um, I mean, I wonder if because when I think about like Billy Starks, who also gave a great performance last night right. at GCW, she has because we've been watching her in GCW for a while, mm -hmm. and I almost wonder if like because GCW gives these people so many opportunities to perform because they have so many shows and yeah. there's no like. Oh, you're a girl. You can't be in this match. So it's like Billy Starks, you know, she's so young and like, it's amazing how good she is being that young. But you have to remember, like, she's had these opportunities yeah. to fight all kinds of different people, mm -hmm. all kinds of different matches and, and do so many matches in a way that if you're just somebody trying to get into WWE, right? Like, and you're yeah. just at the, like, she's probably had more real world wrestling experience than some of the people that are currently signed to WWE. Oh, well, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like it's, it's, it's crazy to think about that. Yeah, it's men like and women. Yeah, like, exactly. Like I mean, she's probably had more real life wrestling experience. I mean, I know she has than like Gabby Butler from cheer is currently signed to WWE. I, I think you were talking about an actress from cheers. No. Was like, um, yeah, sure. Is it she Butler? Her last Kirstie name? Alley? Anyway, Gabby, the cheerleader from cheer was signed to WWE. And I, and I thought that it had fallen through cause she deleted the Instagram post announcing it. But then I saw something recently that suggested she was still kind of training. Um, so I don't know, but like, she's obviously like never wrestled. Yeah, <laughs> and... no, I, I mean, they, they, oh, was it Casey Catanzaro? They, Katana chance. Now she was signed from American Ninja warrior. Yeah. Never and and you know wrestler. what? I bet Billy Starks has more real world wrestling experience than Logan Paul. Oh, Apps. Yes, of course. She's, yeah, she's like been... she's she has done more matches. Logan Paul has only done the matches you've seen him do in WWE and whatever right. training he's done outside of that. And I'm like, there's like it's it's just it's exciting to see people get to do that and develop their talent that way. Um, because like again, like you're if you turn on WWE, it's not that it's not going to be fun and good. Like there's lots of things on WWE that I do love, but like you're also going to sit through a lot of people like that who have not had that crazy experience and stuff like that Tony Deppin moment where the guy, what did the guy say to him? 
where he oh, was like he was like he said come on champ to Rina Yamashita because oh. she is a, one of the champions in GCW she's the ultra violent champion which is like the yeah. death match championship and so he was like come on champ and then somebody was like somebody in the crowd was like you're not champ you're not champ anyway or you're not champ either or something and he was like I know I said come on champ she's the champ dipshit yeah yeah and then everybody was like oh yeah and uh he was the heel and moments like that you know they happen so effortlessly look so effortless and it's so like he's in the moment it's such a a rush but you realize like oh that's the kind of that's the kind of skill you develop with experience of doing this all the time it's like going to open mics exactly it's like it's like instead of just doing like clubs yeah because you learn different things and you learn how to deal with different situations well, it's just like the more you do it grow. it's like it doesn't phase you to have somebody yell something out yeah exactly and you know you're not nervous you're calmer you can like roll with the punches no pun intended li- better like it's just you can tell you can tell it's like a fine wine when someone has had the time to really f- ferment their skill yeah and find their and Billy Starks stuff. is one of those people, and she yeah. also did a great match last night. Tony Deppin's also like one of the best on the old indie scene. He still works like ROH and stuff, and I'd love to see him. Yeah, be more Billy Starks is going to be a final battle. Yeah. Uh, finally challenging Athena, I believe, for that ROH. That's Women's going to be freaking exciting. I think they're having some trouble moving the tickets for that show though, because they haven't really been doing a good job of promoting it at all. Because final battle is supposed to be like their the biggest ROH show, I think. This wasn't a topic I want to bring up, and maybe we can bring this up a different time, but I really think Tony Khan needs to rethink what ROH currently is. We should just do an ROH episode. We'll do an ROH episode. I One other thing I just wanted... Well, actually, I guess I did want to talk about House of Glory. I want to see House of Glory. Almost didn't the other day, uh, but we live very close to it, and it's always a good time. And this was a great House of Glory show. A lot of the same people that were on that GCW show. Yeah, I missed it, it. But that was fine. We've been busy lately. I I'm almost busy. didn't go because I was tired, but then I went. And it's also like when I go to House of Glory, it's just I get like the cheapest ticket and I stay on the whole show. So it's kind of exhausting. Um, but we saw yeah. Speedball versus uh, Swerve Strickland, which Swerve was it was crazy oh, to see him at this thing. Yeah. And I thought they were going to like, well, I'll talk about this in a, in a little bit, but that was a great thing. And then we saw Mike Santana, uh, formerly of Santana and Ortiz, AEW star, uh, win the House of Glory heavyweight title from Matt Cardona, who was also at GCW. In a great match. I was very tired uh, by that point in the show, but it was a great match. And it was cool to see Santana win because I think Santana was a uh, uh, House of Glory regular uh, when they were a tag team because they're from New York. Every um, time you say Santana, I think of Santino. Oh, I thought you were going to think of Santana, the guitar player. Oh, no, <laughs> actually, Santino from uh, Impact. Santino T- TNA, sorry. Santino Marella. Uh, but they were, um... but, yeah, it was a great show. Uh, highly recommend House of Glory if you can go see it. Main event, also, the Jay Lion and Midas Black. The They're great, boys. aren't they? They are so great. <laughs> and they are. Uh, they were at, uh, they defended their House of Glory tag team titles at House of Glory. And then uh, they're, uh, they're circus guys, basically. Midas Black is the ringmaster, and he's got a glittery top hat. And then Jay Lion is a guy in a lion mask, who we did see as we were going into GCW. He came out and was on the phone with somebody and was just like, Hey, I'm outside. Where you at? <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. That's yeah. funny. He was fully in his thing. I mean, I, I've never <laughs> seen him without his mask. So I wouldn't recognize him without the mask, but uh, he was just a guy in a lion mask. Uh, um, that's funny. That's a, See, that's another thing you can see at GCW. I know. I, I, another thing I do love about indie wrestling shows, especially GCW, is the wrestlers are just like walking around. Yeah. They're just like out there. Like yeah. I, I saw Effie and Ali Catch even before we left, like 
like right after their match, essentially, they like went outside. Maybe they went to go get something to eat or something. Yeah. You know? But I saw them all like walking through the crowd. And I was just like, that is so cool. It really is just like a sketch <laughs> show or a stand up show. It's like you yeah. do your show and then you're just kind of hanging out. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like a WWE like big production. Yeah. The only other thing I want to say about WWE is um, I mean, I have so many thoughts about them all the time. But Roman Reigns has become so part-time that he's almost kind of proved that they don't need him, that he's like unnecessary. Yeah, I know. I haven't seen him in anything. He's not there. He hasn't for the last like since SummerSlam, he had a match at SummerSlam. I don't think he appeared almost at all until Crown Jewel. Right, where he defended the title against LA Knight. Yeah, and I didn't even watch that match. I think he did like once in between to promote it, once or twice. And then he hasn't been there again. He won't be back until Royal Rumble. And it's like, at this point, it's like, not to diminish what he's done. I think he's had a great career, specifically in the last three years. But, you know, he's done you know a great job. I've never seen anybody do such a 180 performance and character-wise as this guy. Uh, but he, and I like Roman Reigns. I'm wearing his shirt. But... I think at this point, it's kind of like, because they, I think, still think they should have just had Cody win the title last year, because it could have done all the Bloodline stuff the same way, and had Jey Uso beat him to finish it, which would have been the logical conclusion, but they wouldn't have been too afraid to have Jey Uso beat him, because they were afraid to put the title on him. Uh, but now it's to the point where I'm like, well, we have all this other stuff going on. They have Randy Orton's back, they have CM Punk, yeah. and Randy Orton's probably going to face Roman Reigns, but... It's just like, do we do you even need him anymore? Yeah, the Judgment like, I mean, Day. Between the Judgment Day and Damage Control and all this other stuff that, like, yeah, they... they. I mean, it's cool when he shows up, I guess, but it's like he shows up so infrequently, it's like he's not even really there anyway. So it's kind of like when I bought Bitcoin. I didn't put a lot of money into it. It's now basically worthless, but the money's gone, so I don't miss it at this point. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, what's it's the just, point of... It's just a loss, you know? Yeah, just take the L and move on. You know? Um... So All right. That's my thought there. Did you want to have? Did you have any other thoughts before we go into no, we'll our on. segments? We'll move on to the segments. All right. Shooting range. Pew 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 pew, 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 pew. Do you think MJF is really as injured as they say, or do you think it's a work to set up his that he could lose to Samoa I've, Joe? I've thought it was a work for a while mm-hmm. because he deleted the tweet. Mm-hmm. You know, he like posted about his injury and then deleted it. I don't think you would do that unless you were like working on setting something up and you're like oh this isn't how i want to do that or tony called him or he was like don't let's let's hold this for a minute you know what i mean like i feel like mjf is not a tweet deleter and so that means something and i'm not sure what it means but it makes me raise my eyebrows i do however believe he's a little bit injured Mm -hmm. because he did do that move and like and i think you there's no way you're gonna do a move like that and not pay a price it's so crazy because he's the guy who would always talk about not having to do stuff like that and he does like get the kangaroo kick over you know what i mean to the point where he doesn't have to do anything crazy and of all the people to be hurt by some by a big spot I, I, i think it's interesting because he's such a good like mjf is so good at this that it becomes like he he really is in a post kayfabe wrestling world, mm-hmm. MJF is one of the only performers where I honestly couldn't tell you what's real anymore. Yeah, it's true. He's I- like the only person who achieves that. Everybody else, I'm like, that's a work. That's a work. That's a work. That's a work. I also can't tell like where they're going with <laughs> stuff. Like I thought he was being facetious with this babyface turn, but he's done it so well that I'm like, no, I think he's genuine now. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like it, it, he really gets in your head and he really um, is just masterful at not giving you any 
like there's no daylight like you know there the, he really pulls the wool over your eyes and you really cannot yeah. fully grasp um you know what what he's wanting you to believe versus what's true and i i, I wouldn't be surprised if his injury was not as bad as as he's telling people it is um i hope it's not as bad yeah like i, I the, the other part of me is like i want it to be a work because i don't want him to be 27 and badly injured and, and having think... to like vacate a title at some point yeah. or whatever, you know. Um, but also, a torn labrum sounds bad. On the other side of that, there's the potential reality that AEW is at a point where they know they have to. They know they're in kind of a crisis era. Yeah, like I, it's not that I think that they're doing a bad job or anything, but like you know, WWE has CM Punk. Like AEW has has historically had injuries that interrupt storylines or cause a lot of problems for them otherwise. And I could also see a world where they're maybe encouraging people to push through things more or at least trying to find ways to not vacate titles because they've had to do that so much in the last couple of years. And I don't think the interim champion thing has been very popular with any of Right. And I think they know that. And I, and like, so there's part of me that worries like, Oh, maybe this is just because they're so desperate right now, especially to not have to vacate a title or not have to like reschedule a big match, you know? Yeah. Well, luckily swerve is coming up. Yeah. And I think, you know what I what I want here? I hope MJF is not super injured. And if he is, I hope they just have him finish up. Because I don't know if this bidding war thing is going to happen. Like the story. Because I think he's already re-signed with AEW. And I think he probably should re-sign with AEW now. And I wouldn't blame him if when his next contract with AEW is up. Because he's so young. He could go to WWE then. Because I think at that point, it could be a situation where he's like done kind of what he can do in AEW. Uh, and it would make sense for him to go. Because again, I want WWE to be a place for people to go. I yeah, want people, I want to, people to, to make go. their money. I want people to make their money. And I want people to go where they fit at the time. You know, and I want people to have multiple places to work. Um, and it does seem like it can be that now uh, to a degree. But yeah. anyway, but I think he's staying there for now. But I think just give the title to Samoa Joe. Makes Samoa Joe the champion. He's over as hell. He's so respected by everyone. He's famous enough, and he doesn't have to have it for long. But and like Samoa Joe, of all the people currently wrestling, I don't know. Uh, I can't think of a single person that deserves more to have a big world title in a, in a big promotion like AEW than Samoa Joe. He had he was the ROH World Champion for a long time, but it was a small indie promotion at the time. He was the TNA World Champion, which was his like highest profile world title, but it was. You know, look, all respect to TNA, it was TNA. And it was not a, that big of a... And also, it, TNA booking at the time was so stupid. Uh, and he didn't really get kind of the run that he deserved. So for him to have even like a two-month AEW world title run would be very meaningful to me and a and lot of other people. he saved... Um, he saved all he in. He saved all in. Like, he, Tony owes him that belt at this yes, point, exactly. as far as I'm concerned. And like if MJF is injured and he's had the title for a year, just have, let Samoa Joe it's have like, it. Yeah, be like, thank you for saving our, hu- our biggest pay-per-view of the exactly. year. Uh, and also... Now that I've now that you're pointing that out and I'm thinking about it more, it the injury being a work is perfect because MJF to maintain being a babyface, which I would love him to be able to do. I know I know that it's very likely there's a turn coming, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But I think I like him as a babyface. I think it's funny as a babyface. Um, 
And I think he has more to more. There's more he can do as a baby yeah, face. Yeah. Like, I think there's more places to go. Whereas with, if he's a heel, there's only so he only yeah, has yeah. to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Um, so if he loses to Samoa Joe because he's injured, he doesn't have to cheat. Right. And like he can maintain being a baby face and he can be angry about it. And it, yeah. it's understandable. It doesn't necessarily have to be this turn where it's like, oh, I'm so mad. It can be he can be mad in a way that's fair. And in a way that people can sympathize with that doesn't make him a bad guy. Yeah, and he can have a feud with Adam Cole if they do do that, but I almost don't even want them to break them up ever because like, it seems like Adam Cole is probably going to be that devil character, potentially. And that could be... If, if he's the devil and he's not actually injured, that I mean, that would be like the most insane reveal uh, yeah. ever that he was the uh, injury was at work the whole time. But he's... Um, I've told you I want it to be Stokely Hathaway, but... Oh, that would be... <laughs> I think it'd be great. It would be great if it's Stokely. Stokely returns. And he has a reason to hate MJF. He has a lot of reasons to hate MJF. And he has a history of having, you know, factions that like show up and, you know, wreck things. Like he's a, he's if that kind of guy. Of MJF's fa- I mean, it's kind of what's happening now. All the guys that used to be in his factions hate him. Like Wardlow, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, that could be what it is. It could be all of MJF's ghosts. All yeah. the pe- all the ghosts from his past That's kind as of what's a heel. Now, yeah. Yeah. Are coming to like mess with him. Uh, it's his. It's literally his demons, his own demons. The devil's demons. Yeah. Um, he's got. Like... He's got to wrestle his demons. And then... oh, what if? What if he loses to Samoa Joe because of the injury, and he's like depressed and blah blah blah, and then something happens where like the the devil guy comes out and whatever, and it's like he has to wrestle his own demons to come through the other side See, of this it. This is the high art storytelling I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, if Samoa Joe wins the title, he can be uh, he can kind of become like a babyface character for a while. Even if he's like just you don't even have to tweak his character that much. He's just he could still be a jerk, but he just is like a straightforward. He doesn't cheat. He's just, and then Swerve Strickland, the new up and coming heel, can win the title from him. And then Swerve can have it for like a year. Yeah. Swerve needs to be the champion and, at some point soon. Yeah. And again, like none of this will make MJF look weak because he's injured. No, exactly. He's injured. So it's not about him not being the best wrestler. It's about him being injured. That was so the it's thing like that WWE seems to like could, could never get when, in like the 2010s and stuff with John Cena. It was like he would have all these injuries, but it would never go anywhere and he would never lose and he would always just overcome. And it's like it's okay for him to, to lose sometimes. Especially so if he's he has, injured. Exactly. So that he has. Like if the Avengers just won the whole time and you never saw them have any issues, then like people would have, you know, yeah, Thanos never snapped his fingers. Exactly. Then we're like, oh, no, 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 we got it. You know, like if John Cena was an Avenger, they would just he would just take care of it. He'd be like, no, yeah. I took care of Thanos. It's yeah. Fine. Uh, the movie would be an hour long. Some people would be happier. Um. Anyway, so. We can move on if you awards. Don't have else. to the awards. season. Yeah. It's the awards. Okay, season. promo of the week. I put the Randy Orton Daddy's Home promo from Raw because there are a lot of great promos, but I was, you know, honestly, John Moxley probably had the best one on Collision where he was talking about how his body was breaking down and he was like almost crying and he was like, all I can do is just fight through it. But I figured I would give this to Randy Orton because he's been out for a year and a half. People were genuinely excited to see him. He seemed so happy to be back. Uh, and it was just like, and the daddy's home thing was cute and it made sense. A motivated Randy Orton who's happy to be there and is like invested in what he's doing is one of the best wrestlers in the world. 
problem with Randy Orton has always been that you can tell oftentimes when he doesn't care and he's kind of checked out. Um, and if you had told me like 10 years ago that I would be more excited or more emotionally invested about Randy Orton returning to WWE than CM Punk, I would have walked away from you. I would have never, I would have been like, you're crazy and you don't know me. Yeah. Uh, but here we are. Here we are. You know, so you never know the, where life's going to lead you. Folks. It's true. There were some better promos overall, but you know, I think this was the one that, that was my pick. Okay. So my pick is a little off the wall. Uh, my pick is a little meta, a little strange. I'm going to pick Rebby Hardy. Doing whatever she's doing on Instagram right now. Because it is sending people into a tither. This is after Matt Hardy fell behind the couch. You're going to pile on to him? Well, I wanted to talk about the Hardys today, actually. And I I forgot to bring it up in the beginning. But I won't talk about it now. But anyway, Rebby Hardy has been posting stuff on Instagram that I asked a Gen Z coworker, like, is there a term for a subtweet? Well, because, like, uh, you know, my generation, we call it a subtweet. You got to pull your sources, you know? We'd be like, we'd, we'd call it a subtweet. But now Twitter doesn't exist anymore. So I was like, uh, yeah, I was like, or, and it's also not happening on Twitter. Like she's doing it on Instagram. Like yeah, she's yeah, posting yeah. things on Instagram that are kind of like clearly mad at someone, mm-hmm. but not naming who. And some of it feels like it's directed towards Matt, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but like my Gen Z coworker told me, um, I sent her the link and she was like, oh, this is a call out. Oh, okay. So that is actually much more straightforward. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, she's like, this is, name. she's calling somebody out. So Rebby has been calling somebody out. And in the comments of her posts, like people have been like, you know, putting their detective hats on and trying to figure out what's going on. Like, they're like, girl, you have to spill the tea with this is driving us crazy. And like, uh, somebody pointed out that on one of her other posts, there's a comment from Matt that's like a nice, whatever, generic comment. And then Rebby responded to that with Adriana, what are you doing here? And everybody's like, what does that mean? <laughs> what is her husband doing there? He's, he can't be. Con- oh, man, no, Adriana. No, she wait. responds to the Matt Hardy comment with Adriana. What are you oh, doing? I thought here? that that was like a I thought that was like a meaning meme that people would just be like, call you Adriana. No, 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 no. I didn't know that that was a specific name. Meaning, I thought that was uh, like part of. The yeah, name. I think probably Adriana is like Matt Hardy's social media manager, maybe or something. Oh, OK, that's what I think. Um, but, you know, everybody's got little theories about what's going on. Other people think it's about some it in- like a real housewives or something. Like yeah, there, there's Adriana. somebody else running around her comments who thinks it has to do with like this drama between these like two influencers, these two gothic influencers who aren't wrestlers, but I don't like that theory. Cause I don't, I tried to follow that drama and it was very boring. So I was like, okay. I don't think she would be subtweet or posting or calling out about this very boring mm-hmm. drama. Um, and so <laughs> that's my promo of the week because I love, I love that. I Actually, love it when people do that. I love it when people get online and get a little bit messy, but not fully messy. And it makes everybody go, what is this? And <laughs> maybe Matt Hardy and Rebby Hardy are going back to WWE and they're laying the groundwork. Yeah. Cause the Hardys have also been vocally complaining like Matt and Jeff both have been yeah. vocally complaining about AEW for a couple weeks now. And so, okay. So match of the week. So I had one, but I think I'm going to change it. So there was sort of Strickland versus speedball. Mike Bailey at house of glory was really great. And they turned it up in a way that I did not think they were going to try. I thought they were going to like really play mm-hmm. it very safe. 
uh, and just play the hits. And it's like, I think they kind of did play their hits, but their hits are so intense that their hits are like a five-star match, you know? <laughs> uh, but I'm going to actually give the match of the week to Charles Mason versus Carlos Ramirez from House of Glory. Oh. They had a crown jewel championship match. And then Charles Mason's had that title. That's like their, you know, IC title type thing. Uh, and he's had that title for well over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would usually defend it against like guest stars. You know what I mean? Like people yeah. coming in that aren't part of it. Uh, and this was great. Carlos looked fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. He was, this is the first time I'd ever seen him. And he was like, he looked great. He was breaking out really cool, like power moves and stuff. They fought all over the House of Glory, which House of Glory is in this kind of nightclub thing where it, it looks like a room where like characters from a CW show in the 90s would go, like that's their hangout. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there was like a stage area where they went like and climbed up in the, to the rafters and jumped off of it. And they really went nuts in this match and uh i mean if you if you got premiere plus and can check out house of glory the darkest hour i mean do it this was a this is some great stuff uh you know and it seems like maybe charles mason might be moving on to other things uh which i think would be great he should he could did we point out that he could be the devil because he's basically like a, oh i said like, that last night yeah he's basically like mjf worse as a murderer yeah like he's you know and he could really uh he could really do some damage. On the yeah, I said last night if he's the devil, I would lose my mind because that would be so awesome. I actually, for my pick of match of the week, I was kind of um, struggling with what to pick uh, because there was a lot of good stuff this week. But I like the GCW show last night. Every single match, I was like, "This is a great match," and I think it for me, it's a it's a very close, maybe tie, but also just it's just very close between Rina Yam- Yamashita and Tony Deppin. I think that one is like my close second mm-hmm. because that was a really entertaining match. And I think uh I think the number one match for me this week though is the Charles Mason match we saw last night. Oh, that tag match? Charles yeah, the Charles Mason tag match, Charles Mason and Pero versus uh Hammerstone and Richard Holiday. Richard Holiday because it was a match like a thing that's great about Charles Mason is his character is so evil and just like such a center of gravity because he's like a black hole sucking Mm. everything in. So he almost can't help but tell a really fantastic story every match Mm -hmm. because everybody who fights him, it's like they're fighting Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is going to be a test of who you are as a person as well as, you know, a, a wrestling match. And we saw it last night. We saw Richard Holiday turn on Ham- on Hammerstone, mm-hmm. who I almost keep calling Emma Stone because yeah. everybody was chanting Hammerstone, and I, it sounded like Emma Stone, and I got excited starting chanting Emma Stone. Um, but we saw uh, Holiday turn on Hammerstone, and it was a really dramatic, slow build to that turn. Is Hammerstone tried to like pull him back because he was like, I think Richard Holiday was like Charles Mason tried to kill me, so I don't care about winning a match because Richard Holiday and MLW was like kind of a sadistic heel as well mm-hmm. and then hammerstone was a guy he fought a lot i think and then uh he brought him in from mlw to like help him fight charles mason and gcw because i think richard holiday left he had i believe cancer and beat oh, it yeah. on his back now but he's he left mlw and is with gcw now but uh but yeah he turned on him yeah no charles mason he like Infected he, him, he he literally 
every but every match I've seen Charles Mason do, it's like this. It's like he creates immediately a cinematic universe around him because it's like, who are you versus Charles Mason? And so it forces people to become a character to make hard choices because he does try to murder people in every match. Yeah, like Char- really does. Charles Mason, when he does a wrestling match, he tries to strangle or suffocate that person to death with a plastic bag or mm-hmm. a belt or, you know, sometimes he has a knife. Like, you know, yeah. like he's a he's a very dangerous man. So yeah. you can't help but get pulled into a very powerful, almost opera when you're fighting Charles Mason. That's and true. so I would if he's the devil, that is going to make me respect Tony Khan on a level I didn't think I could because I'd be like, that is brilliant. I don't think he is. Um, but yeah. Well, so Tony Khan will have to wait another day for your respect, but they will see what happens. But yeah, that was really great. I mean, I could have picked almost any continental classic match too. I mean, they're all fantastic. I mean, another one that I thought about, I think it was last week though. Or no, it was, it was, it was this week was Swerve Strickland versus Jay White in the continental classic. Another fantastic story driven match. Uh, Swerve basically if Swerve is in it, I mean it's gonna be it's gonna Swerve, be yeah. top notch. Mm-hmm. Uh and Jay White also is like almost under Jay White, when you watch him wrestle, like you almost don't get it at first. And then you when you watch him <laughs> a couple times, you're like, oh, I see what he's doing. And then you're like, oh, he's brilliant. This is like he's really one of the most perfect wrestlers in the world. He's just so good at it, you like almost don't even get it at first. Yeah. Uh because he wrestles very differently than anybody else. He's very like defensive and he wrestles like a jock. He wrestles like a shithead jock who's like egging you on and trying to like make make you mess up. Yeah. Uh, anyway. All right. Outfit of the week. I didn't pick one. I didn't. Uh, you didn't pick one. I didn't pick one. But you know what? You go first. Okay. You know. Uh, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Let me think. 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 Because I, I feel like there was something else I wanted to say before I said this one. Um, no, it, it was, it was, it was, um, no, okay, you go first. Because I, I can't, I have to, hang on, I have to look at Cage I believe match, it was I to... Unagi Sayaka from last night. And she had a very colorful, uh, that was one of the ones, gear, yeah. And she had uh, like a tiger on her trunks. And then maybe kind of a dinosaur, but also she like had a cat's a, eye. Yeah, she had a T-Rex so on I her like, shirt. I like cats, and she i never seen her before. Yeah. Um, I liked that a lot, and I wanted to say, oh, right, okay. So the <laughs> – so one of the – oh, the other – if it hadn't been for how great that Charles Mason match was, I would have picked the eight-man tag team match from GCW mm. last night as uh, our match of the week because I thought that was such a – that was such a freaking cool match. Um, it was great. Yeah, everybody really laid into each other in that too. Yeah, and I think the the one I liked I, I in that match, I loved the guy who had the jacket that said uh, "Boss of the Prairie," the cowboy. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm trying to. I know. I know. Manders. Is it one called Manders? Him, yeah. Is he the boss of the prairie? I believe he is. Um, yeah. He. Oh, he's from Iowa City. Sir, we should be friends. I'm from Nebraska. Anyway, my mom went to the University of Iowa and Iowa City. And my grandfather went to the University of Iowa and Iowa City. Uh, anyway, uh, what a what a great per oh I'm uh, uh, I'm 
Oh, boss of the plains. That's what it said. Not boss of the prairie. Oh, and his other nicknames are Cornbelt Cowboy and the Hawkeye. Okay, Ooh. sir, you Manders, you have a fan, and it is me. Um, this is like me with Jordan Oliver when I found out he was from Newburgh. But I loved that because he he had that hilarious jacket. He had a cowboy hat, and he had cowboy boots on. I don't know how he had wrestling cowboy boots, but he had wrestling cowboy boots. Mm-hmm. It was great. I loved it. I really, but I did also love the Billy Sparks match. I thought, I thought they both looked great in that match. Too. Yeah, they did. They both yeah. very sparkly gear. And Maki Ito always looks so cool. Like her, oh, yeah. her gear is always fantastic. Um, okay. Should we do shock of the week? Is this a new thing that I you, did it, we did it last time with our mm. guest, Brandon Zellman from who's that Pokemon podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, plug. This week, Thank our guest know. is Cat Hardy. Cat Hardy. Kathy the Cat Hardy. Um, <laughs> she's not making any noises. No. Uh, okay. Um, do you, did you have a shock of the week? I wasn't overly shocked by anything, um, but I, I was a little bit surprised that WWE played it so safe with the CM Punk thing. Mm-hmm. Like he really didn't do anything, and it's like a lot of people are like, "Oh, it's playing." You know, they're 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 setting it up that he's going to be a hypocrite, and Seth Rollins is, and I'm obviously they're going to have a feud where it's kind of going to be the basis of it. But I don't think they're. I don't know. I mean, they don't need to acknowledge AEW directly. Like they only did stuff like that in the Attitude Era because they were losing and they had to, so they had to take chances to stay alive. Now they can just be fine forever. Because that's really what they've done. They've gotten to a level where it's like most of the stuff they do is just like inoffensively fine. And that's really, to be fair, that's all I ever wanted from them. You know what I mean? Was for stuff to just make sense and not be dumb or insulting. And they've gotten to that. They've reached that. And some stuff is even very good. Um, But they don't have to take chances. They don't have to. They can just play it safe. I get for a WWE audience, they might not know AEW. If you were just somebody that watched that like casually watches WWE. You don't know anything about AEW. You don't follow any sort of wrestling news, which is I'm sure a very large number of wrestling fans that this is their experience. Um, then you just saw CM Punk come back and it probably was cool as shit. You know, yeah. uh, like if I didn't know anything about AEW and I just watched WWE and I CM Punk showed up again, I'd be like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't, again, I don't begrudge him just like trying to clean slate things. Um, but it just seemed like they're playing it so safe. Yeah. As to be uninteresting. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll doggy pile on that uh, and say that my uh, shock of the week was probably because I, I don't want to say CM Punk. I mean, that was shocking, but it was like, you know. I, th- no, I think debut, just the, like the. the yeah. No, I know, but I'm, I, I'm agreeing with you. Oh, okay. Um, I think my shock on that is that everybody still has the energy to fight about this. I think that is what has shocked me because getting on Twitter X, whatever, and seeing the energy people have to like fight with Dave Meltzer or tweet. Like I I think if you've ever been, and I have, I have asked Dave Meltzer a question on, on X before. Like I have tweeted at Dave Meltzer before and got an answer that was actually very helpful because he has a lot of knowledge. And I, I, sometimes I have questions for him. And, um, but I think if you've ever responded to a Dave Meltzer tweet with anger, um, you need to be in therapy because it's like, it's just absolutely unhinged. The things that these folks get mad about on there. And, 
like today or yesterday I was watching people get upset with him because a collision, I guess, went over time again. And a lot of people seem to think this is unprofessional of AEW to constantly be going over time. La, 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 la. And I'm, realistic. And, well, yeah. And also, I'm event. exactly. And Dave Meltzer was like, award shows go over time and they're scripted. He was like, sporting events go, you know, he's like, he's like, it's not unusual to go over time when you're live. And yeah, as as the network doesn't have a problem with it. And What's, people were just like, like, oh, well, it's unprofessional to do it yeah. over and over again all the time regularly. And it's like, are, are you like, what are you really mad about? Because you can't possibly be upset that you had to wait 15 more minutes to watch young Sheldon. Like, you know I what I mean? Like, to say there's a couple people that are probably pretty pissed <laughs> off. They had to wait for young Sheldon. And like, they probably are people that are active on X. They're, they're, yeah. They're like really mad that AEW made them wait 15 minutes for their rerun of, uh, freaking what, what, other, what's the other one they play after big bang, Theory. big bang theory. Like, oh, it's- one of the two have the same cinematic. It's universe. like, oh, I'm sorry, we couldn't get you back to the reruns I faster. To watch Mike and Molly. <laughs> like, what the heck? It's just so weird, and it's it's very it's it's loser coded. That's what it is. It's loser coded. It, it really is. It's just... like you really have nothing else to be upset about. That now you're upset that a wrestling show went over by a few minutes. Like, I mean, it's just one of those things where you just you adjust your complaint because you want to complain about the thing, and a lot right. of people too really want to see AEW fail because. It represents trying, and trying is hard, and trying can lead to failure. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I know Tony Khan can be annoying sometimes, or but like you, what is he supposed to do? Go out there and say like, "Yeah, we're fine. We're a mid-sized promotion, and you know, we're doing the best we can." It's no, he's got to go out there and tell you it's the best fucking wrestling show on the planet. It's the biggest yeah. wrestling show on the planet. That's because his WWE job. He has too much market share. That's his job. That's what he has to do. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's you know, it's sad, but a lot of people are very um just ready to do that yeah uh with someplace like AEW. all right know. should we do our nerd fantasy booking yeah this and- is where we talk about a wrestling thing we'd like to see happen that like is very unlikely if not impossible uh so this doesn't feel like it should be impossible but it feels like it is i want a segment on like dynamite or collision where it's eddie kingston has a birthday party and you got to see him at his birthday party. And he's like, ah, you didn't have to get me nothing. I didn't want this birthday party. I didn't even think I'd make it this far. You know what I mean? And it's just that. And people are bringing him, like, Serpentico brought him a gift. You know what I mean? He's like, <laughs> who are you again? You know, I mean, it's very WWE. Is this inspired by the GCW birthday party no, we saw last night? I actually, I, when, <laughs> when that happened, I was like, I cannot believe this actually is happening when I put this thing on here. Uh, but yeah, that was because uh, we saw at GCW after the main event. Nick Gage came out, who is not on the card, but is like beloved by everybody. Yeah, um, he came out, and the whole like roster followed him out. And Ali Catch had a birthday cake. Yeah, and then I saw them try to like the ref got bumped in the main event, and so he was still selling it. And so they, she was like trying to wake him up. Yeah, and had the cake, and it was the ring announcer's birthday, and so everybody was there. And Nick Gage did a little promo for him, and it was very sweet. I everybody forgot like, to bring that up when I was talking about how much I love GCW because was that really was sweet. really that was really the the cherry on the sunday of yeah. like why i love gcw because it feels like a family yeah it feels like you're watching a family it does uh yeah anyway that is a nice idea i like the idea of eddie kingston having a birthday party oh, or just on. some event because he's such yeah. a sourpuss mm-hmm. that it's like begging for a little bit of comedy and he is funny yeah. like he is very funny because um, in WWE, that's all he would be doing. Exactly, I mean? he'd be doing that, and it would always be like because lowest... WWE is for children, so yes. it's like, and it would be the lowest common denominator humor. But in AEW, I would have a little more faith that they would have like 
at least let somebody try something. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, if yeah. If it fails, it fails. But like, yeah. And he would still have like a crazy match. And MJF like, yeah. had a bar mitzvah. You know, it could be a similar yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, you know, it's sweet. Like, really Eddie what Kingston's first communion really Eddie <laughs> needs really Eddie needs like a friend again you yeah. know because he hasn't had a friend in a little while and I think I want him to have a friend who's like silly you know and yeah. like a little bit of a goof uh Dan Housen. yeah like somebody like that who it's like he's kind of always mad at because they're being a goof um I mean, my one of my favorite tag teams of all time is Booker T and Gold Dust. Oh, because gold dust would be like, you know, this creepy, weird, mm-hmm. bizarre guy. And Booker would be just annoyed at him all the yeah. time. <laughs> but then like the NWO started like messing with gold dust and then Booker T got like defensive of him. Mm-hmm. And it was cute. OK, so um, this goes into minor fantasy booking, which uh, we've already talked about a little bit. I would love to see Charles Mason as the devil. Mm. Because I think bringing Charles Mason into AW, if he's revealed to be the devil, um and is like puppet mastering MJF's demons he has to fight. This lets MJF fully become a babyface because mm-hmm. it gives Charles Mason the spot of detestable heel. Um, and I think there's just so many places to go with that. You know, like mm-hmm. if Charles Mason is the devil because he is the devil. Like he tries to kill people. Like he's more of a devil than anyone else on the AEW yeah, roster. He's like a great foil for MJF too because he could like represent what MJF would have become. Exactly. Kind of down that road. Exactly. So narratively, it could be really exciting for MJF. He kills Adam Cole again. Like yeah, and and again, like he's Murders so he's so scary. He's scarier than House of Black or Abaddon or any of those people because yeah. it's like. He's literally got weapons and he literally tries to kill people. He's like a realistic um, scary as opposed to like a spooky scary. The only thing that would make me incredibly sad about it is that like we wouldn't have him on GCW anymore as much or well, ever maybe. But John like, Moxley was the GCW world champion for like he worked GCW shows regularly. Yeah. And imagine if he still did. Billy Starks assigned AEW. I know. But she's, you know, she's yeah. like not, you know, if Charles Mason did this, I think he'd be on the show every week and we probably wouldn't probably, have him anymore. True. Um. But John but, Moxley was on there, even up until pretty recently. Yeah. Um. Okay. That was mine. Okay. All right. Kathy, did you have any thoughts? Kathy, a meow meow? Do you want to give a meow meow to people on TikTok or Her YouTube? Her eyes are so closed. They're so closed because she's so sleepy. Oh, oh there she oh, goes. Hi. She won't, still won't open them, though. No. They're still closed. She's, she's like, you know, I love it when cats are sleepy like this, and they're just like, why would you wake somebody up when they're sleeping? <laughs> Why would you do that? I would never do that. I never Uh, do that when I'm hungry in the morning. No. Or when I'm anxious at night and want to play. Yeah. I don't do that at three in the morning and I'm like, wake up, play time now. Here's my toy. All right. Remember when she brought a toy in the bed one time? Yeah. She. With a little bell on it. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. All right. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.